Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, Thanatos, he will ask. And the idea is he will pray. He will beg, in a sense. He will desire, he'll crave to, to ask God. Notice, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. And so really what this is is supplication, isn't it? It's really prayer. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. When we see a brother in sin, John tells us the first thing to do is to pray for that person. All too often, prayer is the last thing we do, or the smallest thing we do in regard to our brother having difficult times. God promises to bless that prayer made on behalf of a brother in sin. Perhaps such prayers have special power before God because they are prayers in fulfillment of the command to love the brethren. Surely we love each other best when we pray for each other. Now let's join Pastor Rob in 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Let me read verses 14 down through 21. It says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him and in Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, and make sure you underline that phrase, according to his will, that's hugely important, He hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. And John ends this epistle by saying, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And last week we looked at really verses uh, 14 um, 
14 and 15, but this morning, and there's a lot there in, that, in those two verses, honestly. And the same is true for the, what we're looking at today. So let's look at verses 16 and 17 onward. And verses 16 and 17 are perhaps one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible, but they don't need to be. And, you know, because if we read them, it says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. And ultimately, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. And if you're me, when I read those verses, I get kind of confused. Because all a bunch of scriptures start going through my brain about what I do know about sin, and what I do know about its relationship with death. And so, as we consider the... the, the as we might get misunderstood by reading those verses, we have to... Uh, understand a few things. We don't need to be misunderstood in that, providing that, number one, we understand the big picture of sin and what the Bible says about it. So what do we know about it? We know in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, that that's really where sin began, in the garden. God gave a commandment. You can have any tree of the garden that you want, Adam and Eve, but this one you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And in the original language, it means, in dying, you shall die. In dying, you shall die. And so this relationship that they had with God, we know that that happened in Genesis 3, the next chapter. Eve was deceived by the, the devil in, in the serpent. And she gave to her husband. And for whatever reason, he didn't check her. He, he went along with it, and he sinned himself. And this relationship, this, this wonderful thing that God had done, was destroyed, this relationship, this, this innocence. So we know that that's where it began. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14, it says this, Therefore, just as through one man, speaking of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so as we read these verses in John and we compare them with things that we already know, don't let it confuse you. Hang on to what is true and interpret what we're reading through these things. Because it goes on and it says that, Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned, notice, from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. So we know where sin came from. We know that sin ultimately does lead to death. And John the Apostle certainly knew this. So when he's writing and saying that there is a sin not unto death, and then there is a sin unto death, he's not suffering from Alzheimer's. He's not suffering from mental faculties. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 and 10, he said, If we say that we have no sin, that is, if we say that we don't have a sin nature, we deceive ourselves. So the very same Apostle says this. And it would seem to be a contradiction, but it is not. And he goes on in 1 John 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, the individual acts of sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, that is what sin is. And so we need to hold on to what we know about that. And certainly in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, is a one that we know very well. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know those things to be true. So John was not misunderstood. He was there when Jesus shared all these things. Excuse me. So 
We don't throw away what we, don't, what we do know about this topic over what may be difficult to understand, like what we read here. And also, secondly, we have to understand that there are degrees of severity of sin. As we read 16 and 17, anyone who sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, and then he says, there is a sin that leads to death. So you're like, give me a break, what is going on here? It doesn't need to be difficult. But what John is saying is there is severities, there's degrees of sin, and God ultimately knows where that line is for every single person. There are no cookie-cutter measures here, because God's grace and limit with one person may be different than for somebody else. And therein is a difficulty for us, because we like to compare ourselves with one another. Well, he's been getting away with it for 10 years, and I do it twice, and I get busted the second time. It doesn't seem fair. That's true. It isn't fair. But see, God knows you intimately. He knows the source of where this stuff is coming from. He knows your propensity. He knows your personality. He knows ultimately what that sin is going to do to you. And he has the right as God Almighty, the one who knows everything. He knows you more than you could possibly understand yourself. He has the right to say, you know what? I've been working on this person, on this particular issue, and you're doing the same thing, but if I let you do it, I know what it's going to do to you. And as a loving father, I cannot, I cannot let you continue. And, you, and, and God is good like that. We don't like that because we like everything to be relative, or we like everything to be the same. But God doesn't deal with us that way in, in, in cases like this, does he? But we should never tempt or test the Lord by presuming he is going to do the exact same thing with us as we have seen him do with others. It doesn't work because we are unique and different. And God knows us that way. So he goes on and he says, There is a sin which does not lead to death. But before we get into that, we need to look at a few things in, this, in these two verses. When it says sinning a sin, this word is hamartia. That literally means missing the mark. So if anyone sees his brother sinning and and missing the mark, some kind of offense which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. And this word death is physical death. It's a word uh, thanatos and it means physical death. There are sins that we do that will lead to physical death. We know ultimately, if unrepented of, that sin will lead you to the second death, which is a spiritual death that the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 20. There is that kind of death as well. And I love what it says in here. He says, and and he will ask, he will ask, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, thanatos, he will ask, and the idea is he will pray. He will beg, in a sense. He will desire, he'll crave to to ask God. Notice, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. And so really what this is, is supplication, isn't it? It's really prayer. It's really prayer. And he says, and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. The word there is zoe. And and, and the the way I think of this verse, have have you read it and thought about this? You know, just read it. It says, and he, God, will give the person praying for a brother or sister who is sinning a sin not unto death, he will give him life for those. It almost seems to me like a a grace or a vitality. When you pray for somebody, don't think that your prayer is just going into the air. God does something when you pray for somebody who is involved in a a sin not leading to death. And we'll talk about some uh, uh, examples of that 
But it's almost like a grace that God gives that you can't see with your eyes. And therein lies our, our, our problem with prayer. We don't see often the, the intermediate results. Sometimes we don't even see the results because we're not always there when the thing comes to fruition. And so we get discouraged. But when you pray for someone, you're, you're doing something. Something is being added to their life that God is going to grant to them. The grace to maybe turn away from that sin. The grace to change. Vitality of life. His life. Eternal life. He's going to give that in, in some measure which we can't understand. Don't be discouraged when you pray. You continue to pray. And pray for those who are sinning. Uh, a, a brother or sister. A friend of yours. A family member. Who's not praying or, or not um, doing a sin not unto death. So what does this verse mean? It seems to contradict what we read before in Romans 6.23. We've already looked at it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It seems like a contradiction, but it's really not. When we see these kinds of less severe sins that don't lead to death, we need to speak up and love each other enough. As brothers and sisters, as family members, we need to speak up and love each other enough to tell the truth so that whatever that sin is doesn't lead to something even worse. Because sin is a progression. Sin is a, uh, something that happens, and it's like, it's like leaven. It's like leaven, and we need to be able to talk to each other in a, in a right way, in a way. Isn't that what it says in Proverbs 27, 17? It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. If you've got a real friend, he's going to tell you the hard things, too. And they can do it in a loving way. We need to be doing that. And so this is what Scripture refers to, or why it refers to sin as leaven. Because leaven, as you know, ladies, you put leaven or you put yeast in dough, what does it do? It blows up, it ferments, and it, and, and it does this. And that's exactly what sin is in our life. And if you love people, if you love those people in your life, and you see them sinning a sin not unto death, we'll talk about that, you need to tell them. You're their friend. You need to tell them so that it doesn't become something worse because it is a progression. The people who are dying of heroin didn't start off with heroin usually. Sometimes it started off with alcohol. Sometimes it started off with sniffing Freon, sniffing glue, Elmer's glue in school. Next thing you know, they're lighting up a joint, and that's not strong enough. That wears away. Next thing you got to do is you got to do cocaine. And the next thing you know, you got to do something else. And before it leads you to that heroin, it's always a progression. And for the person who is hooked on pornography, it never starts with the adulterous affair. No, it starts off with a look, and then a look, another look, and then it doesn't stop, and it keeps building, and it's constantly feeding. You're feeding it, you're feeding it, and the end of it, trust me, is death. The end of it is going to destroy you. You know this. You know this. Sin is like a cancer, and if left alone, it will grow and metastasize and ultimately debilitate its host. Isn't that what cancer is? It starts in your body. There's a tumor. <laughs> and if, if it's cancerous, if it's left unchecked, it's going to metastasize. It's going to spread to other organs of your body. If you don't get that right when it begins, trust me, you're going to have a problem because it starts to spread you got to get it. you gotta, you got to get it at its infancy, and you can't play games with it. Because if you don't, you wake up one day, and you go to the doctor, and you find that you got stage 4 cancer in your liver and your kidneys and in your lungs, and it's spreading to your brain. Sin is like that. 
But why is it that we're more in tune with the physical because it affects us physically, but we can be completely oblivious to the spiritual part of it? Folks, we need to really be careful about this. Sin that doesn't lead to death or swift judgment by death may include these. These are the things that I was thinking about when when, when John is listing these sins that aren't unto death, a, a sin not unto death. I think of bitterness. It's still a sin. It's, it could be bitterness. It could be anger. You could have an issue of anger. Where, where is that going? Is it being left unchecked, or are you continuing to be angry and, and not considering it? What about envy? Envy is a sin, I believe, that's not unto death. At least initially, you can be envious and, 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 and be that way, and it can go on for years. You can have a heart of unforgiveness for years, and yet you suffer. You suffer. You can have hard-heartedness for years, and it eventually gets harder and harder and harder. You can be a gossip or a busybody. Those things are sin as well. James chapter 5, verse 19 says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he has turned. He who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. See, that's what we are to be as the body of Christ to love each other enough, to tell each other the truth in love. And therein lies the problem. Because sometimes my heart can be so ugly. I can be envious of somebody. And then because I'm envious of them, it doesn't come out in love. Instead, I just send them a a text message in all caps. You're a rotten sinner. Send. Wow, that's going to yield a lot of good fruit. So we've got to be careful. But there is a sin that's leading to death. A sin leading to death. In verse 16 here in our text this morning, he says, let me read it again. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, we looked at some of those things. Those are sins that don't have a, 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 there's not a severity about them. It could be a bitterness. It could be envy. It could be jealousy. It could be hard-heartedness. Left unchecked over years, it just, it's slowly like a cancer. It just eats the person from within, right? But there are other things where John here is saying there are sins that lead to death. There is a sin leading to death. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 19, it says, As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. So if we pursue evil, we are pursuing death. Why do we do such ridiculous things? Why do we pursue sin? Why do we pursue evil? The end of it will be death, just as we read in Romans 6.23. The wages, that's what I get. The wages of sin is death. That's what I receive as payment for my sin. I receive a wage, and that wage is death. But the gift of God, the gift that he gives freely, it cost him everything, didn't cost you anything. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? But the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. You remember uh, Moses uh, back in the in the book of Exodus, it's, and it says this in Hebrews chapter eleven. It says Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season. It is sin is great for a few moments until the bill comes due. Do you realize how short the pleasure is compared to the heartache and the pain and the devastation afterwards? You need to think about the bill before you do the deed. 
because oftentimes we just do the deed before we think about the, the, re, the repercussions, the, the consequences for that sin. I think about stuff like that. I would encourage you to as well. And understand that it's never worth it. It's never worth it. The devil wants you to make you, make you think. And all the television programs, all the advertisements, and, you know, when you watch football and they have the, you know, the, the beer and the ladies and the guys, and they're all, they all look handsome and they're all hanging out at the party and they all look, you know. Everything looks great. What they're selling you, what they're telling you is so sin is pleasurable for a season. Look at them having fun. Look at those young people in the prime of their life standing around with the bubbly around the tree with all dressed real nice with their nice clothing. Be careful. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, be not, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And this is so important. This is why there is a sin that leads to death. There comes a point when God says, I've had enough. In fact, in Numbers chapter 32, it says that your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. And this is not a really happy message this morning, necessarily. It's a sobering message. In Genesis chapter 4, God gave some great advice to Cain. Remember what he said to him in chapter 7? He says, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And notice, its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Rule over the sin, folks. Why should you be bludgeoned to death by the sins that you, each of us, many in this room, have habitual sin? Why are you letting it beat you up over and over again? You have the ability to rule over it. Why does it, why is it that it takes so much of your thought life? Why can't it be in balance like everything else? Why does this one particular sin, it infects you like leaven, like yeast, and pretty soon everything that you see, Everything that you do is through that lens of that sick, twisted, perverse thing. You can't even look at a person without looking at them in a lustful way. Why is that? Why should it have more attention to you men? Why should it have more of your real estate in your life and in your heart? Why? Ask the question, why should this thing be so imbalanced in my life? Why can't it be like everything else? You know, the, 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 the drive is there. The, it's very natural within the bonds of marriage. Why does it have to get weird? Put it in its order. Put it in its place. Do not let it have its rule over you. Because sin that leads to death is something that God allows in swift judgment upon those who are committed them, committing them, allowing their life to be taken quickly. There are sins like that, and then there are others that slowly bring a person into bondage. And we looked at those, those sins that are sin that doesn't lead to death, are those slow things, those things that aren't as severe as severe as the, the other sins. But see, God reserves the right at his discretion to judge swiftly certain heinous sins due to their severity and their influence, not only upon you, but also on the influence of others around you, and especially in the body of Christ. And there appears to be degrees of sin. Although even the smallest sins left unrepentant can lead you right to hell. And it's true. But we see the severity of God's judgment during the beginning of Israel's becoming of a nation. And also in the very beginning of the church, we see him doing, being very severe and very directive and very swift in judgment. We know that these things happen. 
We see this in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a couple of examples. You know this passage very well in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 where David sinned with Bathsheba and ultimately him killing Uriah, her husband. A sin unto death this is. It's written for us in the Old Testament. Remember, Nathan finally comes to David after at least a year after the act has been committed, after the adultery and after the murder. About a year afterwards, Nathan comes, a prophet, to David and says, David, and he tells him the story about the man who has a... Uh, I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.